Welcome, everyone, to the seventh episode of POV Crypto. I'm David Hoffman, here with my buddy Christian. Christian, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Just had a full day of blockchain at the San Francisco Blockchain Week. Hung out with my homies at QuantStamp. They have a beautiful office. Ready to podcast. Let's do it. Awesome. Let's talk about that, actually. let us I'd like to hear about what happened there. Anything cool? Uh, yeah, I mean... When, when I go to events, uh, my agenda is go see interesting conversations and panels, go troll the exhibitors, and show my company. So step one, step two, uh, if there's people that I'm you know, trying to talk to or, uh, or, or prospects or clients that are there, you know, obviously trying to grab lunch or, or, or meet, but I'm usually in business zone. Very fair, very fair. Any any good talks that you listen to? Yeah, um, yesterday Naval had a had a fireside chat, and I feel like in the Bitcoin community, people kind of roast Naval, but he definitely says some really you know he speaks first and foremost he speaks really eloquently, but he definitely says some pretty profound things you know just on the spot. So who's Naval? Uh, Naval Ravikant is the founder of AngelList. He, you know, essentially is a, is a big shot in the crypto VC world. Big shot in the crypt in the the VC world, not you know excluding crypto in general. Uh, so uh, pretty big on Twitter. He actually retweeted me once, nice. and that was uh, that brought on the most followers uh, <laughs> out of one single activity for me, which was uh, which was pretty cool. Awesome. But uh, awesome. overall, you know, the content uh, so far that I've seen was pretty good. I didn't go to any of like the breakout sessions. I was mostly, you know, kind of in networking mode and stuff, but overall it was a really good conference. And uh, ETH San Francisco was the Saturday and Sunday before that. And I had some, some of my friends from white block were there. Uh, and you know, it, it seemed like that was a, a pretty, pretty big success. Uh, so there's like three more days of, of the conference. So it's, it, I'm looking forward to it. it. It's been good so far. Yeah, that is a ton of blockchain. Wow, that I, my mind would explode at the end of that. Go to consensus next year. Oh gosh, I probably will be. All right, well, with that, let's get into the meat of this episode. Christian and I, we kind of started both our um, our friendship in blockchain as well as this podcast under the idea of blockchain everything versus uh, Bitcoin debate, where we kind of think. We kind of do go and spar with each other about whether we think that there will the future cryptocurrency ecosystem will be a robust network of interconnected platforms, each with different use cases and utilities and reasons for existence, versus whether that will just all kind of exist on Bitcoin and whatever whatever currencies are left are more just fringe and not really important and stuff like Dogecoin, where it's kind of a meme. Um, so we're going to, we're going to get into this. Don't underestimate, don't underestimate Doge. Yeah, I, I definitely do not underestimate Doge. Um, Bitcoin can do a lot, but it can't be a meme. So yeah, let's, uh, let's get into this. Um, Christian, do you want to, do you want to start with your, cause I think Bitcoin maximalism came before blockchain everything. So you, do you want to kind of start with the general ideas as to why people think that, at the end of uh, the development of this space, Bitcoin will just hold the majority of value and the majority of use cases. 
Uh, sure, I can get into it. First and foremost, I don't like the term Bitcoin maximalists. It's it's turned into kind of a derogatory term, and I don't think the ideas of Bitcoin maximalists are necessarily wrong. So, first, of, yeah, I'm you know I just don't like the word Bitcoin maximalist. Fair but enough. But with that what being would you said, I mean I think there are Bitcoin maximalists that are like pretty close-minded and like you know preachy, and while I think they're right about Bitcoin, I think they're wrong about a lot of other stuff. But in terms of, you know, why I think Bitcoin is a good investment and pretty much everything else on the market right now is a way less sound investment is based on Austrian economic theory as well as the study of how network effects work. And that... So, you know, those kind of two things together, uh, plus the invention of proof of work and how Bitcoin is currently being secured, I think, you know, those things make it the perfect digital currency and the perfect, you know, digital store of value right now. So, you know, I, th- you know, I, th- I think that's, you know, really at the heart of, you know, why I, in- I invest in Bitcoin and why I think it's going to continue to appreciate Um I guess do you know do you, are you familiar with Austrian economics David? Yeah, no, Austrian economics was something that really attracted me to the space. Um in the same time I was learning about economics, I was uh I, I went to school under it with a major of psychology. So all this talk about economics and uh what's relevant to crypto and what's what's still relevant to the old world was all very very new to me. So I initially got very very into Austrian economics because of the uh, I was kind of socialist in a way. I, I the banking crisis really impacted me, and the uh, the removal of trust and power of the banks and giving that to something more organic initially seemed very very tempting to me. And I still believe that it's very very powerful. Um, I think where you and I differ, however, is that I think both Keynesian economics, which are the uh, the economic theory that kind of is is the majority of what we see today with. Uh, Federal Reserve banking and control of the inflation supply and basically the opposite of what cryptocurrency is, I think there's room for both. Um, I think that uh, with a platform like Ethereum, where uh, in, th- in theory uh, all, all stakers could vote on the inflation schedule or uh, things like MakerDAO, which could uh, create some sort of uh, asset based off of debt. And these are all Keynesian types of economics uh, platforms. And then Bitcoin, which is the perfect example of um, Austrian economics, I think they're both going to be extremely valuable in the long term. Yeah, I don't necessarily disagree with that, except for the thought that we already have not sound money in Keynesian economics in the world right now, and we don't have sound money. So, you know, why do we need a blockchain to do what our government's already doing to some degree already with fiat money? Yeah, so that's one thing that I think that uh, that uh, Bitcoin people kind of actually get wrong is that they think that the 21 million finite supply solves the issue that uh, was exemplified during the banking crisis, which was like trust and whether the assets were really there or not, etc. Um, and there are plenty of cryptocurrencies, <coughs> excuse me, cryptocurrencies that uh, don't have a cap supply and have regular inflation. 
But the difference is that you can still have regular built into code inflation over the long term. And because it's still planned by the code and set in stone by the code and not by people, and people can't just randomly decide that the inflation is going to be, you know, 10,000% as we've seen in countries like Venezuela and Argentina, that that also provides a, a level of security that, that Bitcoin is also providing. Bitcoin is just very strict with that. There's only going to be 21 million kind of like gold. Um, and I think that problem would have been solved in an equally in an equal but similar manner if they instead had said like there will always be one percent inflation. I think it's two viable ways to solve the same problem. And Bitcoin just kind of went with the hard cap of twenty one million, where Ether and other cryptocurrencies like Monero will will always have some sort of block reward that the there will always be some sort of inflation, but over time the inflation kind of asymptotes and it reduces over time. I think that's another way to solve the issue of uh, centrally controlled money printing. I guess okay, so I think we're kind of diving into the rabbit hole really here, but we should talk about um, we should talk about you know what Austrian economics is and and you know the the theory behind Bitcoin before we you know, kind of compare and contrast. Um, so I, I guess just taking a quick step back, Austrian economics is this idea of sound money, which means it money is a good, right? So it's a good that doesn't perish. It's a good that is divisible. And it's a good that uh, is, you know, easily transferred. So um, based on, you know, that kind of measure of what makes a good money, the you know bitcoin idea is it is it is the, it ranks the highest on all of those scales right so before bitcoin the highest ranking thing was gold right so gold is there's almost as much gold into the in the world today that you know there was mined out of the ground which means that you mined this rock and it doesn't perish and the ancient people used it and cherished it because they realized that it doesn't tarnish or go away silver kind of tarnishes other metals tarnish and corrode but gold does not right but gold is really heavy it's um very difficult to store really easy to steal um you know hard to smuggle uh so gold it was you know the best money in the world because it was non-perishable but and easily to and easy to identify uh but clearly it was censored that's where we are today is you know central banks hold gold they issue notes and now the printing of notes has been completely corrupted and it's not even attached to any sort of you know finite or sound money um, so enter bitcoin here bitcoin is you know divisible up to eight um up to eight decimal points it can be even more divisible with an upgrade um you can send it across the planet instantly. You can move around with it in your brain, uh, in a brain wallet. It, it ranks the highest amongst all of those things. And it's sound because it's so decentralized and impossible to change. And you can count on it not to change that you can trust that no one's going to mess with the code. So kind of now addressing what David kind of talked about was, you know, Ethereum's inflation schedule or any of these other kind of tokens inflation schedule is set by code so that for it therefore it solves the problem well if that code can be updated or changed by 
anyone, then you can't really trust it, right? There's nothing saving you um, from whoever is in control of the code or has edit rights to the smart contract or whatever from changing that supply schedule. So what's the difference of what we already had? So, I mean, well, people would disagree with you there. But if these things achieve some sort of, you know, confirmed uh, decentralization where you know they can't just change it whenever they want, then, you know, potentially you can argue for why there should be some sort of inflation to secure the network. But, you know, before that point has reached and, you know, some sort of central admin can change it, then we're back to a central bank anyways. So people would people would disagree that any one f- uh, person or a few select people would be able to supply uh, change the supply code of any significant major uh, cryptocurrency. Uh, people people would would definitely argue that Ethereum is sufficiently decentralized that it requires a consensus of a large party of people with this large review process um, to go and make sure that everything is going generally according to plan. Um, the difference is that that Bitcoin was decentralized long, long ago, and Ethereum plans on being like as decentralized as Bitcoin is in the future when it comes to proof of stake. That's like the uh, the the future dream of the Ethereum platform. Um, so I think I think what you're arguing is that well, Bitcoin is sound money right now, and it has been for the longest time, and and it went through it went went to decentralize decentralization uh, as fast as possible and that's a huge value prop which I totally agree with uh, in the long term I think that the uh, inflation su- supply schedule and also the change to uh, to proof of stake will provide a viable alternative to Bitcoin as sound as sound money um, and I think it's it's definitely worth considering buying today based on that potential future Uh, I guess let's talk a little bit more about proof of stake. Every time I think of proof of stake, I always think of this meme that Kevin Pham always retweets where it's one of those extension cables plugged into itself. Well, you're going to have to go into that one. Yeah, so the idea here is uh, you're using internet funny money to secure internet funny money, whereas with Bitcoin or at proof of work more specifically, you have to buy compute. You know, you have to rent a warehouse. You have to get all the servers. So you know all the costs of building that for those physical servers and burning electricity. So that makes any token that's connected to proof of work real to some degree because you know it's literally interacting with the physical world. It's turning physical world um, energy into digital money. So it tethers it to reality to some degree. Yeah, so you're saying that Bitcoin is backed by electricity and the capital investment on the mining uh, for the miners and the mining facility um, versus proof of stake, which the coins are backed by the security of the network is backed by the value of the coins. Um, And so if, if the coins went to nothing, then the security also goes to nothing, because if the coins went to nothing, then you could simply buy half of them and compromise the system. But. I think, especially with Ethereum, it's pretty easy to argue that the value of the proof of stake coins are backed by 
the economy that that Ethereum hosts. And so we have we have so many different things coming online with Ethereum, such as the uh, the MakerDAO uh, 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 stablecoin. Uh, we have uh, you know Spankchain having their payment channels. We have uh, uh, Gemini Dollar. Gemini Dollar. We have Funfair and their online casinos. We have just a bunch of uh, simple smart contracts. All of these things are built on top of Ethereum that back up the value of uh, the Ether coin. Uh, and so it it's it's a while while Kevin Pham has this meme of this uh, electrical socket being plugged into itself. It could also be uh, illustrated as a, a positive feedback loop where there is actually actual energy running through that cord and it amplifies itself because it grows itself over time. And so the, the, the cord meme is just a gross over, oversimplification. That is, that is funny. I will give it that. It is funny because it's a, it's a funny way to point out the, the delicateness of proof of stake. But as soon as... As soon as a proof of stake platform becomes sufficiently robust, it's it's no longer an issue anymore. Is my is what I would say. Yeah, I mean, I feel like my my I'm not like unlike a lot of Bitcoin maximalists, I don't discount the ideas behind that are the you know kind of like the general memes that the blockchain community is creating i i like those memes i like the idea of decentralization of you know creating a world where that empowers individuals um you know creating decentralized versions of applications that are centralized today that we wish you know weren't corrupt like google like facebook like uber and all of these other huge companies that hold a ton of influence over our lives right I, I like all of those memes, and I want that to continue to develop, and I think it's going to develop into something great. I'm just not really willing to buy any of those tokens right now. And, you know, in terms of investing in these things as equity or some ownership control of something that I'm going to use, potentially down the line I could be interested in that. But in terms of, you know, comparing that to what Bitcoin is offering as digital gold and investing in digital gold, I think they're just totally two different things. And I'm super down to invest in digital scarcity. Like right now, I think that all of these blockchains are just, you know, essentially serving the king. You know, they're paving the way for Bitcoin, in my opinion. They're protecting Bitcoin. They're the hydra that is confusing governments and law enforcement um attracting speculators you know I, i'm loving it but it's all for the king and i think in terms of investing you just got to put your money on the 21 million coins and the scarcity and the proof of work um in turn until i see DAOs and other stuff like that that actually work and i want to like invest my time in you know i'm, I'm gonna just hold off bitcoins and DAO. i'm investing my time and my energy into you know the best DAO right now in my opinion yeah, no, I I have no issues of contention there. It's it's partly a matter of uh, risk tolerance. Where if you want to get into cryptocurrency, which everyone claims is super super risky, if you want to do it in the most risk adverse way, it would the the correct answer is simply to buy Bitcoin and then forget about it. It's it's I mean you're we're kind of preaching to the choir here, but it's definitely a guaranteed like huge return over the long term, uh, simply just because 
only, and this is something that I will always give credit to Bitcoin, is that there can only be one cryptocurrency that was built in the way that Bitcoin was built, which was the, it's almost a magical story of the uh, anonymous code creator that disappeared as soon as he released it into the world. Um, he hasn't touched his funds. Uh, he we, he still hasn't named who, who he is. Uh, and he generated a community as fast as possible to get this code up and running and then released it extremely fairly onto the world. And it's just, it's a wonderful story. It's almost too sci-fi. It's pretty insane. Uh, Satoshi was a genius just for knowing that that would be an issue. Um, and that can only happen once. And so when people claim to be people, maybe like, you know, the mining pools of Bitcoin are starting to centralize and that's an issue. But still, at the end of the day, like there can only be one cryptocurrency that was created in the way that Bitcoin was created. I think the immaculate conception is definitely important. I feel like I used to put a lot more precedence on the immaculate conception. I think that other things could be launched in a way that potentially could make them useful as a money or replace Bitcoin. It's very unlikely, but it could happen. Uh, but, you know, I, th I think what Monero. I know Fluffy Pony is kind of the centralized spokesperson for Monero. He's a very good marketer. But it had sort of a immaculate conception. And some people theorize that after Satoshi left Bitcoin that he created Monero. That's like definitely a conspiracy or, you know, a dream in my opinion. There's nothing that would make anyone think that other than the timetable of when he left and when Monero was created uh, was, you know, almost back to back. Uh, there's also it, it's it's weird it's always in the privacy coins but uh, the Mimblewimble protocol also has a kind of almost bitcoin-esque immaculate story do you know the Mimble the story behind Mimblewimble and how it got discovered i do not so taking a quick step back both Mimblewimble and bitcoin were kind of discovered on the internet so those are two things that they have in common versus you know, being marketed but Mimblewimble the story behind it is a guy and I forget how it's pronounced but it's it's James I think it's James Riddle or James Ridley um, is Voldemort uh, in Harry Potter so it's a, a pseudonym um, as Voldemort's name in in the French version of Harry Potter so you know whatever Ridley, you know, Harry Potter fans, please don't crucify me. I just, you know, don't really care. But whatever his name was in Harry Potter in French, uh, posted the Mimblewimble, like, white paper proof um, in this just random cryptography IRC channel. And then never posted again, completely disappeared. No one knew, you know, what was the deal with this person no one saw this person before never no one ever saw this person afterwards but you know people eventually discovered the paper and read through it and were like holy shit this is completely groundbreaking technology and theory and it was really rough but you know it got the point across yeah and but it, it's still different because it was built after bitcoin was made and after bitcoin you know you know went 10,000 x and so the the guy in theory still could be very very aware of the potential uh profit behind whatever he created 
which I don't think Satoshi ever had. Totally. I mean, but Satoshi was not the first person to try to release digital cash. He's just the first person that, com- you know, c- combined blockchain with proof of work. And that's why it worked. Um, that was the magical innovation of Bitcoin. Um, True, but I don't that, think anybody could have, I don't think Satoshi could have seen the monumental price of Bitcoin coming. Like even th- even not. he thought it was going to fail, you know, like numerous times. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I agree with that. And again, I think that's important. It's like it's organic money. Like what people don't understand is, in, in a, is when Bitcoin went from zero to one. That is when the snowball began, right? As soon as it got a real value, a trading value, someone traded dollars for it. That's that's when, that's essentially you know when it won. Everything else is we're just rolling in the snowball right now. Like this is just part of the roller coaster at that point. Um, it's the most sound money in the world. So granted, you know it's still code. It's still an experiment. There was a very serious bug that was found. What three weeks ago we talked about it on the podcast. Uh, so it's you know I don't think it's silver bullet, but it's I don't know, it's it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. It's completely organic, completely, you know, not completely decentralized, but in a very complex, you know, way of thinking about it, it's very decentralized. Maybe I'm just a fanboy. I don't know. (laughs) So let's move on to a a topic uh, that is a little bit more contentious between us. I would say that the issue of smart contracts kind of throws a wrench into the hammer or or into, into the gears of Bitcoin's future. Uh, Bitcoin, as many people might know, is very, very difficult to host smart contracts on. Um, You can do some sort of smart contracting, uh, but it's pretty limited in functionality and doesn't really attract any developer uh, uh, attention. Uh, This is why mainly Vitalik went off of Bitcoin to go produce uh, Ethereum on its own platform, just because he realized he needed to kind of start from scratch in order to get what he wanted out of a new Turing complete blockchain. Uh, and so that's uh, arguably why Ethereum has grown so much in value is because of how easy it is to produce smart contracts on it and um, and produce uh, dApps, decentralized application applications uh, that can you know serve some sort of function. Uh, and this has really struck the imagination of so many people when when people talk about, you know, oh, you know, cryptocurrency and blockchain, it's going to disintermediate Uber, it's going to disintermediate Airbnb, it's going to disintermediate uh, governments and, and board members themselves and replace them by rules and regulations built into code. They're talking about, um, it's really Ethereum that has really enabled that conversation because of its functionality on it, which is why I have uh, a more diversified portfolio than, than likely what Christian has, because I think that um, I like to take a leaf out of uh, Tushar Jain's, Jain's book from Multicoin Capital and talk about how uh, different blockchains kind of represent different coding languages and some blockchains are good for some use cases and some are good for others. And I think that's going to be a whole whole host of different coding langu- languages out in the uh, blockchain cryptocurrency ecosystem that kind of fits developers' needs in different, in, in different ways. Um, and I, I think if we were to talk about the hyper Bitcoin maximalist belief that they would claim that uh, eventually everything will just be built on top of Bitcoin um, no matter what, simply because 
sound money attracts. Um, is that would you say that's accurate, Christian, or am, am I missing something? I think that your description of what Bitcoin maxillists want to do with Bitcoin is not necessarily true from what I've observed of most people who are very into Bitcoin. Um, in terms of your points about dApps and building smart contracts on Ethereum and all that kind of stuff, like I was just hanging out with a bunch of people who are at an ETH SF um, hackathon event, you know, just spent the entire weekend partying and developing at ETH, at ETH SF and talking about how every other ETH global event is amazing and is awe-inspiring and to just keep getting better. Whereas on the flip side, a lot of conferences are taking a hit. Um, so I think there's something there. Again, I feel like in this space, people talk about investment advice as well as technological observations in the same breath and i that's where i'm personally trying to set myself apart is we can notice all of these great things about what ethereum is doing and then not think that the asset ether is a good investment and or any of those tokens so you know i'm not upset about what they're doing i don't think most of it's going to be successful but i maybe i'm a fool but maybe the open finance thing and token issuance on Ethereum might be a thing, even if they don't switch to proof of stake. Doesn't the know. statement that uh, the ether, the price of ether will remain, you know, diminished or low, or are you are you saying that ether will rise a little bit, maybe, but just not nearly as as much as Bitcoin's? Because if if Ethereum is going to host, the, you know, the world financial, uh, you know. Uh, not system, but like if it's going to host a bunch of uh, applications and utilities on top of it, uh, it, it would also grow in value because Ether is the host network and the network has to be as valuable as all the things built on top of it. Um, so, I, so I think there's a little bit of asynchrony there saying that like there's a lot of potential for cool things to be built on top of Ethereum, but the value of Ether will still remain you know, subpar. I don't necessarily think that their things are going to be built on Ethereum. It could be, but I don't know. Um, there, People bring up the velocity problem. Uh, people bring up the lack or the poor monetary policy or like not perfect monetary policy. Um, people bring up a lot of reasons why Ethereum might, may or may not be a good investment. You know, I have a small hedge. I have a small amount. Outside of that, you know, I'm... It, I, I'm, I'm not quite buying it yet. It seems like it has a lot of technical problems. What I'm saying is I'm betting on the trend. Um, maybe the open finance thing works because it's going to be a very light touch um, on the network. Maybe it won't. Um, you know, I, I could I, I see a lot of potential zero days with Ethereum and a lot of like political issues with, um, you know, what it's what it's preaching. I don't think it really delivers that yet. So we'll see how it evolves, uh, but I've, I'm not super willing to to bet on it quite yet. In terms of like kind of your idea about you know Bitcoin maximalists thinking that everything is going to be be built on Bitcoin, I don't think that most of them think that. I think they're really focused on sound money, and then outside of that, they think that blockchains are stupid unless they're part of Bitcoin. 
they are into you know they're interested in building decentralized things that use cryptography and are censorship resistant and empowering individuals and they think bitcoin's a really good tool to do that and a blockchain works really well with proof of work in bitcoin so do you and do you not believe in pl- any sort of smart contract platform then you know i think that there's ways to automate stuff maybe yeah, maybe smart contracts on chain have a place. Most likely, these kind of automations will probably happen in centralized parties built on some sort of technology layer two or whatever that utilizes money, which will most likely be Bitcoin. But I don't think these things are going to be built on Bitcoin. I think most of these things are going to reference or accept Bitcoin, but just be their own thing. So if, if people, so, so the, the idea of a smart contract is that it's, it's just like money in the set, or it's just like Bitcoin in the sense that it's trustless and permissionless and anyone can access it, which, which I think has a huge value prop on its own. Uh, and so when you com- the combine smart contracts and money, you get really, really powerful things, but you need in order, in order to get those things, you need to have. Uh, kind of like you said, a, a smart contracting layer on the on the platform itself. So, uh, can you, I know you kind of just described it, but can you go into more detail about like what you think the world, the integration of crypto sound money uh, and the integrate with the integration of smart contracts, like what that looks like? So smart contracts is programmable money. Bitcoin has multi-sig already, so that's programmable money. It's not. It's not Turing complete though. So do you do you believe in a Turing complete system? So Turing complete means that you directly on the blockchain. So on the multicast um, system, you're gonna code in functionality. Yeah, anything a computer I, can do. I I don't think that's super. I mean, I, I, I guess I agree a lot more with how Bitcoin's being developed, which is the base layer focuses only on security and is, you know, as safe as possible. And then building that, building off of it, it's you build systems that reference the tokens that are on that base layer to some degree. So payment channels, uh, Lightning is trying to do this. I, I honestly am super bullish on, you know, custodial and privatized layer twos people never talk about that stuff but i think square and what they potentially could do with their point of sale system and their internal uh you know their their the square cash app um as a venmo competitor that has bitcoin in it if they build out like a square to square you know network i think that that is super super bullish they already have the biggest payment network in the u.s um just Sending Bitcoin over Visa or MasterCard as a payment network is also super bullish. So I feel like people people don't people are very close sided with how you can build on top of Bitcoin. They think you have to build a DAP, and you know I don't even know if that's a real thing. That could just be BS. You know, so I don't how know do you, if DAPs are real? How do we disintermediate and disintermediate Uber or Airbnb, or is that even something that Bitcoin people are concerned about? Yes and no. They think that Bitcoin's a tool that's going to give individuals more 
control over their money and wealth and therefore, you know, empower them. They, you know, I think that they would appreciate some sort of decentralized service that does these things, but they're not really focused on that yet. And there's like, you know, famously, Jimmy Song tweeted recently, he's like, if you want to use Bitcoin from a payment perspective, get a credit card, spend the credit card, and at the end of the month, um, sell that exact amount of Bitcoin and, and pay off the credit card. You know, so I feel like most of them are just hyper, hyper focused on building sound money. Right, hmm. and there's all these sorts of payment channels on top of that, like that already exists. We don't have to reinvent the wheel on payment channels. While I, you know, I would like a more seamless process, a process that doesn't require surveillance, because credit cards are essentially money surveillance system. Even though you know I am very pro usage of credit cards from a personal finance perspective. Uh, it doesn't give you all the things of a just pure digital cash, but you know th- I think there's going to be steps to getting to that world, um, and a lot of people are just jumping the gun with with the Ethereum DApps. But you know, power to them again. I just don't think it's a good investment. Interesting. Interesting. This is a this is something we actually did never really ended up fleshing out in our earlier conversations. So that's actually pretty interesting. Uh, there, there. I do I do hear a lot of people talk about how you know, the the primary use of a blockchain is sound money and then it kind of kind of stops after that. Like you get some additional features like multi-sig addresses and, and payment channels, like you've said. Um, but after that, you know, the use of a, a blockchain doesn't really make too much sense for, for other things. So that that is the future uh, that we have ahead of us. We will see whether or not blockchains plus a consensus mechanism really enable... You know this whole incredible sci-fi world where there's no central leadership among any anything, or we just have this new uh, new power uh, or power by the people for the people form of money that is Bitcoin. Um, so, well, I'm certainly looking forward to it. Either way, so I mean, I, I have a quick question, mm-hmm. and I feel like I've been ranting a lot, so I, I want to give you a platform to, <laughs> well, to kind of give you. your views a little bit more. Um, you know, what, what kind of holes do you see in like the Bitcoin world and, and why do you think it's inferior to what Ethereum's trying to build, even though, I, I guess, yeah, let's just end it there. Answer the question, please. <laughs> well, like, like we've noted, there's this tremendous developer power that Ethereum has. And, uh, like, I think, I think something like a thousand developers came and built on, Ethereum uh, in during East San Francisco, which is just awesome to see. Um, and so we have, I, I would say we have one killer app on Ethereum right now that is pretty incontrovertible, which is stable coins. Uh, I, I think I can see a few more stable or, or killer apps coming on the horizon, but that's much, much more speculative. Um, but the difference between why it's on Ethereum and why it's on Bitcoin is really just the Turing complete nature. And I think that really just goes back down to the, the core difference between my vision and your vision of the future. The, the, the fact that Ethereum can do anything like a smartphone can, anything like a computer can, because that's what that's what Turing complete means. It's, it has the functionality of not just a 
a Swiss Army knife, but a a totally um, uh, so so the meme is that you know Bitcoin was like a a screwdriver. It did one thing extremely extremely well, and then other people came along and uh, made more blockchains and added on more features that Bitcoin didn't have. And they, it looks like a Swiss Army knife. Well, Vitalik wanted to create a uh, a blockchain that looks like a you know a smartphone or a computer where you can just download an app and get whatever app features that Ethereum has. Um, and so that's that's what really struck me as, as super awesome. And and so we have this one killer feature, which is so far stable coins. Um, and then we have a, a little bit more niche features, uh, such as, you know, the decentralized uh, uh, current or, or uh, casinos, decentralized uh, payment uh, payment channels for um uh, Spank chain on the Spank chain system, so some things are up and running, and it's just the, the and then and then I also believe that the future of DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations, and and governing self governing bodies based off of different participants all across the world, I think that's going to be enabled by a smart contract platform. It doesn't even necessarily have to be Ethereum, but I do believe in a smart contract platform that can that can enable anyone to build anything that they uh, can imagine. Um, so it, it's just the fact that on a smart contract blockchain, uh, really the limit is what you can imagine. Uh, whereas with Bitcoin, it's there are much more practical uh, limitations because of the emphasis on sound money and how sound money is the primary goal. It's just uh, with with Ethereum, they're not trying. The developers of Ethereum aren't trying to make Ether money. They're trying to make Ether, you know, fuel for a financial system, um, and the system would would run on Ethereum. Uh, whether or not, I could easily see a scenario where Bitcoin is like the base layer of the financial system, and and settlement gets cleared in Bitcoin, and then Ethereum kind of lives on top of that. And I think that kind of alludes to the velocity problem that you talked about um, not too long ago I, I could see that as a potential future um, but I could also see a, a potential future where they're kind of more separated and have their own technology stacks on on top of uh, each other does that answer your question yeah I think I think I understand what you're trying to say um, so it looks like we're kind of getting to the end of our time here I think this is a pretty good episode Guys, we need some more feedback. You gotta tell us if we're confusing you. Are we helping at all? Just, just, just give us some feedback here. We'd appreciate it. Rate, rate the show. Yeah. Share the show. Tell us where you tripped us up or we, where we tripped you up. Uh, we need, we need to learn as much as we are hoping you guys are learning from us. We need yeah, to do the same. Definitely. But yeah, get on, get on social media. Follow us. I'm Christian at real life underscore ck on twitter tween a lot here and i'm david hoffman you can find me at trustless underscore state both on medium and on twitter we're going to be doing a lot more on at pov crypto pod david's going to get on that he's going to get on media and start writing about writing about our talks we're just going to be doing more we're excited to see this uh, see the show grow